The U.S. is one of the wealthiest nations in the world. It ranks first based on total GDP and seventh based on GDP per capita. Yet when it comes to food security, America ranks 22nd among developed countries. People are working hard every day in this country to bring food home for themselves and their families. But right now in the United States, we are facing a hunger crisis. 33.8 million Americans didn't have adequate access to food, according to the latest report from the USDA. That's 13.5 million, or 10.2% of all U.S. households in 2021. I'd literally stand on 2nd Avenue at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd get off the subway and go around behind the restaurants and wait for the bakeries to deliver bread. When you're that hungry to steal bread from the restaurants behind the stores, you're hungry. Spending on food assistance programs has grown exponentially, reaching a record of $182.5 billion in 2021. But food insecurity has only improved slightly since 2001. While the number of people experiencing very low food security grew slightly during the same period. We see times when the economy is doing better, it improves. But we haven't seen major movements on the metric, I would say. The latest research from the Bread Institute in 2014 says the U.S. has lost almost $5.5 billion due to lost productivity caused by hunger. It's much less expensive to feed you than it is many other of our societal challenges. Let's start with food because the impact on the system is incredibly expensive and will live on for generations. So why are so many Americans still hungry? And what can be done to solve it? Food prices soared to record heights in 2022, pressuring households already in a pinch. Annual food at home prices climbed by 11.4% in 2022, compared to the year prior. Food inflation, as we've seen during the pandemic, has gone up, driven in large part by supply chain disruptions and shortages of food supply during the pandemic. Several experts point to income as the major cause behind food insecurity in America. Issues of affordability and equity are the two driving forces across the United States. You can be working, yet you still need help. And so the wages are not carrying Americans far enough. The resources they have are so strange that paying the light bill, paying for childcare, gas to get to work is trading off against food. The financial pressure from buying food gets higher the less you make. In 2021, the bottom 20% of households with the lowest income spent 30.6% of what they made on food, compared to just 7.6% for households in the highest income quintile. It's a problem that Gregory Bruce, a bow tie maker in Harlem, experiences every day. I have actually 88 cents in my bank account right now. June was not a good bow tie month. I'm not crying, but I still come here every afternoon and get my dinner, which I don't eat until seven o'clock. The food bank is open five days a week, generally. Saturday and Sunday, there's no food available. And that's when it hits you. Meanwhile, nearly a quarter of households that include a working adult with a disability were food insecure, compared to just 7% of households without disabilities. The leading predictor of food insecurity in the United States is disability status, by far, especially mental health challenges. Socially disadvantaged individuals are the ones most heavily impacted by food insecurity. Take communities of color, for example. Nearly one in five black households and 16.2% of Hispanic households suffered from food insecurity in 2021. 
compared to just 10.2% of non-Hispanic minority households and 7% of white households. Income's important, but the more important thing is the constraints that especially the, those who are most vulnerable amongst us are, are, are facing. If economic opportunity isn't equally shared, which it isn't yet in our country, that means that it's gonna have the same impact on food insecurity. And it's a problem we need to address. Food deserts have also been widely blamed as another main cause of hunger. USDA estimates that about 53.6 million people, or 17.4% of the population in the U.S., live in areas considered low-income and low-access, meaning the nearest supermarket is more than one half-mile or 10 miles away. Food deserts are something that plague us. It's part of the systematic failure that we have in America. If you don't have access to food, you are just increasing your chances of greater food insecurity. But some experts argue that access isn't the issue. A 2018 study from the National Bureau of Economic Research concluded that exposing low-income households to the same products and prices as high-income households had no meaningful effects on eating habits. All of us in the food insecurity space know that they're completely irrelevant. I'd much rather have somebody have, say, a Walmart within 1.5 miles than a poorly stocked food store within two blocks. In other words, it's food prices that matter, not food access. I think part of this is how problems compound problems. If you are someone who's living in poverty, has very low income, you might be living in a neighborhood that doesn't have great access to high quality grocery stores. So they are a little bit mutually reinforcing. But to me, it is the economics and the income are the biggest drivers. Food insecurity is an expensive burden to the U.S. economy as a whole. Food security should be a business imperative. It relates to productivity. It relates to a team that can come in every day and work and create a product. If your workers are hungry, they're going to struggle with work. The latest research from the Bread Institute says the U.S. has lost over $5 billion due to lost productivity caused by hunger as of 2014. If a child is hungry, you cannot teach them. It's not going to happen. And if that brain doesn't develop properly, then there is going to be all kinds of societal problems carried on for generations. Bread Institute also estimates the cost of special education caused by hunger to be over $5.9 billion in 2014 while nearly $13 billion are lost due to dropouts attributed to food insecurity in the United States that same year. It frustrates me that our political system and politicians don't grab something so easy. It's much less expensive to feed you than it is many other of our societal challenges. Let's start with food because the impact on the system is incredibly expensive and again will live on for generations. The latest data from Feeding America estimates that food insecurity cost the U.S. $52.9 billion in healthcare costs back in 2016. There's so many negative health consequences associated with food insecurity. A 2022 analysis from the American Action Forum estimates that just four nutrition-related chronic diseases among 18 to 64-year-olds cost the U.S. $16 trillion between 2011 and 2020. When you are hungry, your body takes your body away. You are consumed by your inner self. Your brain doesn't function right. You don't think well. You, you, everything goes wrong. And if you're a senior citizen, especially if you have some problems with walking or you've got some kind of intrinsic ailment or, or something like that, that's going to get exacerbated beyond control. 
food insecurity is absolutely a solvable problem. In a wealthy country like ours, that people are not having enough food, this is a solvable problem. The U.S. Department of Agriculture budgeted $163 billion for major nutrition assistance programs in 2022. Among them, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, is the largest domestic food assistance programs for low-income Americans. Center on Budget and Policy Priorities estimate that SNAP reduces the overall prevalence of food insecurity by as much as 30%. SNAP, or the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, is what we have called food stamps for many years. This electronic benefit is available to Americans that qualify based on their household size and their income. You give individuals an EBT card, which allows people to shop alongside their neighbors and friends in their local food stores. SNAP is an amazing, amazing program. Sets out to alleviate food insecurity, and study after study has demonstrated that it does. But despite its effectiveness, many are falling through the cracks. SNAP eligibility is based on the poverty threshold. But the Union of Concerned Scientists estimate that almost one in five households with incomes between 130% and 185% of the poverty threshold do not qualify for SNAP, even though they are considered food insecure. We have heard concerns that SNAP uh, isn't available to enough families in need. It is a program that is highly targeted to very low-income families. And Congress sets the eligibility criteria for SNAP, and they certainly have the opportunity to review those rules and take a look at whether the program could be expanded. A major complaint concerning SNAP also revolved around its amount. In 2021, one in three households that received SNAP still had to visit the food pantry due to a lack of budget. Six out of 10 SNAP recipients also reported that food prices prevented them from buying nutritious food. That was until a big change was made the same year. The thrifty food plan was increased by 20%, which means everybody's across the board, SNAP benefits increased by 20%. I mean, that was a big, big deal. So in other words, yes, I think SNAP benefits should be somewhat higher, but on the other hand, a 20% increase in benefits is great. I think we should increase them further. 20% is great though. And I don't want to, I never want that to be diminished. So we're really pleased with the benefit that the program offers. We'll be able to do that reevaluation every five years under federal law, and we'll keep looking at whether the program is accomplishing its goal, which is supporting families with enough money to purchase a very basic but healthy diet. Aside from increasing SNAP, advocates suggest additional programs that focus on feeding the most vulnerable. America doesn't seem to like us. <laughs> or think about us in the way that they think about other things. You know, this is not political. This is far beyond politics. We need to feed our elders. They've served. We need to feed our veterans. They have served. We can start with some simple things. We just need to feed children. We need to make sure there is good food in every school, every public school in the United States. Big task, but it would make a huge difference. In 2022, the Biden-Harris administration pledged more than $8 billion to end hunger by 2030. We can do this. End hunger in this country by the year 2030 and lower the toll. lower the toll that diet-related diseases takes on for too many Americans. This goal is within our reach. Ultimately, the key to ending hunger lies in solving the core issues that cause Americans to struggle in the first place.
At the White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition and Health, the president called for an all of government, all of society approach. I think what's really different and special is in addition to saying we need to strengthen our federal nutrition programs to tackle hunger, the president is also saying we need investments, again, further upstream in the problem, whether it's better wages, affordable childcare, affordable housing, investments or refundable tax credits. Investments in those places will result in fewer people needing food assistance, and I think it's really core to our approach in addressing hunger. I can assure you there is enough food in America. I can assure you there's enough money in America. The challenge is connecting those and ensuring that people have enough money to get enough food.